It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Ray White, the largest real estate and property group in Australasia. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Podcast, available on iHeartRadio and also Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Well, it's a Friday, May the 20th, just one more day to go before the federal election, and Kevin Rudd is feeling pretty upbeat about a Labour win tomorrow when he appeared on the project last night. He was asked if he would get a tattoo if Scott Morrison wins the election, to which he said yes, on the condition it was removable. So plenty of confidence from Rudd, and tomorrow, of course, is the biggest political day of the year. And this election feels like one of the most important elections for a very long time, so don't forget to place your vote. And coming up in just a moment, we're going to be talking about how to build a quality property portfolio with Rich Harvey. It is one thing to have a lot of stock in your portfolio, but the makeup of that stock and the quality can often be two different things. It's the main centre forecast with propertybuyer.com.au. Okay, let's have a look at weather around Australia today where it's going to be pretty wet. First we go to Sydney expecting the wet stuff, some showers and a high of 20 degrees. Melbourne is the only dry spot today with our main centre forecast. Cloudy with dry conditions and a high of 15 degrees in Melbourne. Brisbane expecting showers to increase and a high of 22 and in Perth expecting one or two showers and a high of 21 degrees. Let's Talk Property, a podcast series with Rich Harvey. And many people dream of building a large sustainable property portfolio and retiring on positive cash flow, but how hard is that to do in reality to achieve? Well, of course, there is so much information out there like books, webinars, seminars, or even listening to podcasts like ours. But the execution of then deciding to move into action and making the move to buy your first investment property can be really challenging. And many people get stuck after buying just one property and lose that all-important momentum because of either mistakes made along the way or a fear of getting into greater debt. It's another great talking point of discussion. And it is a Friday, which can only mean one thing. Rich Harvey, CEO and propertybuyer.com.au is here to break it all down this morning. Good morning, Rich. What sort of a week have you had? Good morning, Craig. Um, I've had a great week, actually. I'm pretty happy because I've just bought another property and uh, in the process of buying another one, actually. So uh, I'm having a bit of fun. You are always busy every week. Well, let's dive into this podcast because how should people approach this idea of building wealth through property investment from the very outset? It's a great question, Craig, because really less than 3% of the population actually have written financial goals or even timeframes. I think people really need to have a clear objective and it becomes then much easier to work out what to buy. A lot of investors get pretty much stuck on first base deciding what to buy as they don't have a clearly articulated strategy in mind. So it's really important to start with a goal, then to have a strategy, then to select a location or an area to buy in, and lastly to pick the specific property. 
But most people just jump onto the real estate portals and start looking at properties and go, oh, that looks nice. I think I'll buy that one because it fits my budget without taking a step back. So those people are confusing searching from research. So what I'm saying is that research is the thing that has to come first. That's identifying the right area and the right strategy to use to buy in that area. And secondly, comes finding the individual properties that's going to tick the right boxes. And one of my favorite authors, you know that guy, Stephen Covey, who wrote that book, Seven Habits of Highly Affected People. Mm-hmm. One of his habits is begin with the end in mind. So let's say to the listeners out there, you want to have retire on a yearly cash flow around $100,000. Effectively, you're going to have to buy around five properties worth $2.5 million in total. So that means you need to buy five $500,000 properties. And I'll help unpack that in a minute, how we get there. But it's also a bit like what Abraham Lincoln once said, you know, before you rush out and try and chop down a tree with an axe, spend six hours sharpening the axe and then two hours chopping the tree because it's getting the right tools and it's getting the right strategy up front that's going to make your journey so much easier and get you off that first base into the first property. Yeah, some good points. I like the analogy. Now, there is, as I mentioned, so much information at the fingertips of people to ingest, and that can create a bit of a problem in itself. So what strategies do you think the astute property investor should adopt and probably just as important follow through on? Yeah, a lot of people, Craig, just adopt the strategy of buy hope. You know, they hope that the property they bought is going to go up in value or they hope that it delivers a good yield, but they really lack the sophisticated research techniques. Look, there's a number of strategies that can work, but the type of strategy that's going to work for an individual is going to depend on a couple of things. It'll depend on their ability to borrow, in other words, their financial capacity. It's going to depend on their level of knowledge. And thirdly, how much time they've got to commit to executing that strategy. And it's also been said, another little funny one is that the difference between try and triumph is a little oomph, right? You've got to put a bit of gusto and a bit of effort into this exercise, right? And a lot of people, you know, a bit half-hearted about property investment. But for me, you've got to do massive research. And this massive research exercise is going to protect you from making a bad property selection. So I research areas that have got a history of good capital growth performance and have got good solid yields. I simply buy a property. I don't do anything to it. I just buy and hold. And look, that's boring, but it really, really works. Another strategy is adding value to the property you buy. So you might do a renovation and that dramatically increases the value and the capital asset of your property. And my rule of thumb is for every dollar that I put into a rental, I want to return or see a return of $2 in capital uplift. Another one that I've seen people use, um, and I have used myself, but I do caution about using it, is buying off the plan. You have to be very, very careful with buying off the plan. I've been highly successful, but I've also made mistakes in that regard. So you've got to be only buying off the plan uh, very much at the bottom of the property cycle, not at the top of the market, because there's always a delay for settlement. And you also don't know exactly what you're getting. So there can be variation clauses and things you end up with a smaller apartment or a small property than you first thought. But be super careful with going through that strategy. Another great one is doing um, buying a, a dual living or a duplex style property where you're actually getting two incomes from the one property. Similar to the granny flat where you're getting a secondary income, but that can really work quite well. And then the more advanced strategies as we go down the line, Craig, is more along doing subdivisions and developments. But what I say to my clients is, look, learn to walk before you run. Don't go and do a a four-pack subdivision if you haven't bought any properties. 
four or five properties up your sleeve before you start going down that development route because I've seen many a person uh, come a cropper and really lose their shirt by, by biting off more than they can chew, particularly in a correcting market. So it's really important to summarise to, to get the right strategy and do a lot of research to execute that. And what about this? Some people do get caught up on the number of properties that they need to own in order to retire comfortably, which can be one of those very complex questions. It's actually a bit of a trick question because it's not how many properties you need to own, it's the total value of those properties. So if you actually crunch the numbers, I mentioned before, if you want to earn $100,000 in passive income each year, then you need $2.5 million in net assets, and that's assuming a standard yield of around 4%. So how do you get to 2.5? Well, you can buy one property at 2.5, you can buy five properties at 500k each, you could buy two at 1.25, and all combinations in between. But at the end of the day, what I've learned is that it's better to have a quality property than a quantity portfolio. So yes, I mean, some investors can only afford to spend three or 400,000 and that's fine and we can help those clients. We have certain regional areas where we can identify really, really good potential for growth and very strong cash flow and that really helps them kickstart their portfolio. But the really astute and advanced investors are able to buy better quality properties as you get more advanced as an investor. But my simple formula, Craig, for growing wealth is this, financial independence equals capital growth plus cash flow. So if you can buy a property that delivers you capital growth every year or every 10-year period and consistent increasing cash flow, then you're going to achieve financial independence. The other thing is you've got to be very patient as an investor. A lot of people want capital growth next week or next month, and you've got to hold the property. That's where the magic of compound growth kicks in. You've got to be patient, but start early, avoid mistakes, learn from others, and set your goals early in your career. And Rich, so what type of property selection criteria, which is really a critical part of this, do you use to choose the best properties for your clients or investors? Yeah, so once I've worked out the location and the strategy, then I've got to look at the individual selection criteria. So I've got a top 20 criteria that I've got on my website that's like a free download, top 20 investment criteria. But first one I look for is the price. I look to buy close to the median price, usually around about 20% above the median because the median price properties are pretty average and pretty poor quality, but I don't buy it, say, twice the median price of an area. So I like to look for undervalued areas where I think the demographics are right and it's prime for upside. I like to buy, secondly, um, properties that have a significant land content. Uh, They've got some unique features about them. It's not that I don't buy apartments or townhouses, but I prefer to buy houses because I've found they tend to outperform apartments over the longer term. Next, I like to buy properties with value-add potential, things that I can renovate and get some equity uplift in the property. I next like to look at the rental yield and identify what kind of return I'm going to get on that property. And I'm generally aiming, depending on where it is, you know, four to five percent plus. It just again depends on on how much capital growth I'm looking to achieve. And then the classic criteria, shops, schools, transport. Another key one I look for is a percentage of owner-occupied stock. I much prefer to buy in areas where there's a high percentage, normally 70% owner-occupiers living there. And why is that? If I'm buying in an area with, say, 50% investor stock, I'm competing with, you know, another 50% of investors. And I guess if I had to summarise it, Craig, is there's three words I look for, or an acronym, P-I-E, population growth, infrastructure, and employment opportunities. 
They're three key drivers. So I buy an area that's going to have consistent and good population growth and the right demographics. Areas that have got the right infrastructure and new infrastructure potentially, like a train line or a school nearby or a hospital. And lastly, areas that where people can have jobs and, and have sustainable income. So for me, buying in mining towns or really remote areas, one-sided economies and not the areas that I buy in because the risk of vacancy and the risk of prices falling is really substantial. I look at all of these criteria and think, if I'm buying this property today, who can I sell it to in the future? Don't just think about getting into the market. At some point, you may wish to sell and you want it by buying in a high demand area. So they're just some of the criteria that I use to, to pick the best properties. Good on you, Rich. There's a lot of information once again to take away on our Friday. So enjoy your week. Look forward to catching you back same time, same place next Friday. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast.